This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 392, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you.
Hey, welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 392. My name is Paul Montgomery, and joining me, Connor Kilpatrick. Hey, Paul. And Josh Flanagan. Hello, Paul and Connor. Hi. It's good to be back. Hi, guys. You didn't join uh, a biker gang. No, well, we weren't the, sure we're if all, you'd come back if you'd taken to the roads. I couldn't fit in the I couldn't fit in the Lycra jersey. Oh, I see, I see. So, Lycra at ifanboy.com. We like comics and we read comics, and every week we Paul's read a bunch of comics. Just, wait, wait, just in case it's a, I, I'm not a Lycra guy. Sometimes, just I. <laughs> No, I don't want any. You aspire to be a Lycra guy. And nope, then one nope. of us picks the best books and writes about it <laughs> on the website. There are and different we talk factions. About it on this year's podcast, <laughs> along with various other topics of interest, including uh, biking fashion. Uh, before we get to the show, a quick reminder slash warning. This is a review show, and we'll be talking about the things that happened in this week's books. And there were a lot of them. So if you're worried about Oof. spoilers, just go away. We don't like you. This week, Josh had the pick. I did. I did. And... Um I read, I think, final count, three thousand books this week. <laughs> yeah, not they really dumped them on us, didn't they? You had to read last week's book too, right? Yeah, I feel like I've still finished those. I feel like they need to. Uh, there has to be some sort of collusion, whether it be illegal or not, to stop this from happening. <laughs> I had somebody on Twitter say that their 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 uh, retailer said that this was the biggest you know week invoice they'd ever had. I'm like sure. Just a massive amount of comics. Um, and when I finally finished all of them, uh, there, there wasn't really much question. No. I, I, I texted Connor, and I was like, crap, I have to write about Fury Max again. I know. I was, I was out actually going to get my comics, and I just started laughing. It was, <sighs> it was, I knew your, I, first, I knew your pain, and second, I just knew that I was excited now because I knew that it was going to be a good capper. Fury Max 13 is the last issue of this series, and it was as good as you would hope. If you've been a fan of the series, yeah, and which which means that you didn't walk out of it feeling pretty good. No, well, no, but there was also, but there was a little bit of, there was a little bit at the end where he was was kind of hopeful, not necessarily yeah. for Fury, but just in general. I mean, Heatherly has been the character who has been the least awful, mm-hmm. and he sort of gets to go Heatherly. He gets to go out on a, on a you know a nice note, even yeah, his, he gets his to, death. And he has a nice family, and he actually got to live a normal life because he wasn't uh, sick in the head like everybody else as much. If you um, haven't heard, we've been. We, this is the fourth pick, fourth time this book's been picked out of thirteen. I think, yeah. yeah, but but that's because of Ron. <laughs> like there would have been others, right? Like, there are, there are definitely at least two other weeks where you and I were like, this was the pick. Yeah, whatever. Well, four whatever. Out of thirteen X-Men is book. nothing to sneeze at. So. Yeah. yeah, no, it's not. Um, but uh, like literally every single, there wasn't a bad moment. In the entire series, in the 13. This one ended. A little background on it. Apparently, uh, this was submitted originally as an ongoing, but they thought that's that's ridiculous, uh, which it is, unfortunately. The story wouldn't have worked as an ongoing. Uh, it was supposed to be 12 issues, but they had to extend it. Uh, Garth Ennis wanted to go to 13 to be able to fit in the end of it. And and uh, editor Nick Lowe was talking, uh, basically, you know, Nick is, is in charge of the X-Men books, which is funny because... It seems like those are the polar opposite end of the spectrum yeah. uh, from this book. But uh, he, you know, he did he edited this book, and it really felt like a passion project. He said it's the best thing he's ever worked on, and this is probably the best thing that Marvel Comics has put out, not ever, but uh, in a long time. And I don't I don't see them topping it in a while, and I don't see something like this happening again, especially in the current sort of um, corporate climate of Marvel Comics, the way that they're going. I guess you could make a movie out of this, but the way that it, it's going, it, it doesn't feel like this is going to happen a lot. So that leaves it up to us right now to sort of uh, really appreciate sort of what a wonderful uh, little time capsule of comics that we got 
uh, out of it. And and really a a you know we've praised Garth Ennis a lot. You know he's done stuff I didn't love. Uh, there's you know, I haven't loved everything he's ever done, but but he really got got every bit of this. Like he yeah. he stepped up and and showed that he not not only is he, has he not lost a step, but he's just he's got it exactly. You know. If he needs to call up on it, like he's still got the stuff. And then at the same time, like, you know, we've talked about Goran Parlov a lot, and he's just he's a hell of a cartoonist. And and I think that he's filled in the the shoes of Steve Dillon. Like he's he's the guy that that like fits perfectly with with Garth Ennis because Ennis and Dillon haven't worked together in a long time. You know, because they they did on Preacher and on Hellblazer before that. Uh, But it's Punisher. Yeah, and it's just perfect. As a capper issue, this was perfect. It said a lot of things. It shocked and surprised me. I did not think Shirley was going to do that. Yeah. I didn't see any of that coming, although in retrospect, it doesn't not make sense. No, it makes perfect sense. There was a real interesting moment where Fury is coming out of Haverly's funeral. And, and, um, and this is not really a spoiler if you haven't read it because this spans like 40, 50 years or something like that. So it's basically the end of a long life. He runs into the guy from Cambodia. Yeah. And they have a conversation outside of the Vietnam Memorial, which has its own massive uh, symbolism. And it really it takes sort of guts to be able to, to do that uh, and to tell a story using that, that symbol there. You know, there's just so much to like about this series. And this was, it was just, it's a great capper to it. And at the end, you had a sense of finality. You had a sense of, but also, you know, the last page really lent itself to interpretation. And I, I was really pleased to see on the website, you know, like there was conversation going on about what it was and thoughtful, intelligent sort of uh, comments about, about what the last page may mean, uh, yeah. whether, you know, that you could, you could interpret it one way, like did, did Fury die in that chair? I don't think that's what happened. No, his head is straight up at the end. No, his head is, well, yeah, but if he died like a soldier. And it, I don't, that's the most unlikely. I don't think that happened at all. Yeah. Is he, he going to use that gun or is that gun, you know, part of him? Is He's going to use that gun on somebody. Not, well, definitely. <laughs> someone's getting shot. Sure. I think what's great about this issue, which has been great about the whole series, is that it's really not so much about Fury as it is just about the nature of the American war machine since World War II. We've talked about Garth Ennis being an aficionado of war and clearly has some very conflicting opinions about the what America has done with their military in the last 50 years. And it's all in this issue. You know, There's a lot of things that are very, very damning about his commentary, but then at the end... You know, Hatherley's granddaughter tells Fury about what what the flag meant to Hatherley, and it's a very sort of uplifting, you know, little scene. And I think well, that's ultimately see, what Garth Ennis sees about the, the you know America. I think that's what so, you know. He's always you know it's 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 a hard place to pin down, and I think that he he sees hope in America ultimately. In well, what's nice about, about it, it is that he he seems to be seeing both sides of it. Yeah. A lot of times when people have political arguments or anything like that, they tend to only see one side of mm-hmm. it, and he's he's got a very holistic view of things. I, and I, th- I think you also kind of nailed it when I when I said I don't think you're likely to see this kind of thing more often because it's not about Nick Fury. No, it's about a character named Nick Fury because it's the Max book that can mean whatever. But you know he's a fulcrum for a story about about war and the military industrial complex and politics and all this stuff put together, put up in a package that is way more entertaining than what I just said. Yeah. But also just because really of Nick just, Fury, I mean, he's a great device yeah. to use to make it an entertaining story because he's awesome, especially this version of him. Yeah, and the supporting cast around him too, which has been stellar. Yeah, it's just great. Both book. creatively, like the supporting, like the mm-hmm. 
the whole team put together to make this comic book and also sort of these really interesting original characters that have been built up around them and their place in history and, and what they symbolize and what they stand for over, over a, real, like a huge scope. These 13 issues covered, you know, well, they, so much. They started in the end of World War II. I forgot where the first issue started. Korea, didn't it? Started in Korea and it went all the way up through uh, pretty much present day. Yeah. When the person who got shot in the face got shot in the face, yeah, I went, oh! You didn't see that coming. That was the second time I did that this week, and we'll talk about the other time soon. Just wonderful. The art is amazing in this book. The, the, yeah. way, that he, the way that he lets these characters age, and age in a realistic way. Yep. You know, they get a little paunchy, they, get, they, they face sags, but they're never not recognizable as who they are. Uh, one of the other things I noticed is I was, tr- I was writing about this and thinking about what I was going to say. Most of, most of the pages of this issue are faces. Mm-hmm. is a ton of facial acting and and as a very general rule that's usually a no-no for an entire comic book especially for marvel comics but he made it work completely so that that really takes a lot of skill both between script and, and art you know if we've talked about this book a lot and if you, if you haven't decided to jump on i don't know what to tell you but if you have and this is your thing uh then you know what we're talking about i think it's the best thing he's done since preacher yep i think i'll go with that i think that's true which doesn't discount all the other great stuff. And people will yeah. say, what about this? Those are all great books. I just think this is the best thing since Preacher. The other books that I've enjoyed from him are also great. And also, if you didn't like Preacher, I it's still would different kind of story, yeah. It's a very different kind of story. Or The Boys or something like that. If you're using those as your, your benchmarks. If you, did, if you liked the Dynamite books. Battlefields. Battlefields. Then this is going to be more your speed. But this is actually probably stronger than that because he's got more runway. And it's also a complete story, which I love about it. There's a complete arc character mm-hmm. in this which you don't often get especially with a dick character and we get to see that classic sort of ennis character slash relationship work because i and who I, and I still think he's the he's the best guy working right now at that and has been for a long time and he doesn't get credit for that because people put the more violent aspects before it but as far as sort of making you care about characters you know i teared up in reading this at least once it was really sad and it, and it affected me so uh Go out and get it. Don't miss it. It would be, be a big shame to, to skip this one. Now, if we had a Vegas line on the pick this week, I think most people would have said Lazarus, number one, from Image Comics. Greg Rucka, Michael Lark would have been the odds-on favorite for pick of the week status, seeing as how you're a giant Greg Rucka fan. And I'm a giant Michael Lark fan. Yes. Equally. So why did you, uh, so you hate this issue? I didn't. I, did, <laughs> I, I liked it a lot, but it was very much Sorry. a first issue. It was very much a first issue. Apparently, your deliveries arrived. Yeah, no, it was a very much a first issue. I thought it was very kind of light. I liked it. I really enjoyed it, but I think it was like a solid four-star first issue. Yeah, it really is about, it was about making me excited about what's coming, but it was a, a lot of info dump. I remember we talked, to, we talked to Greg about this in San Diego, and he couldn't explain the book. <laughs> he took a long time to, and I don't find that a bad thing he's a novelist i want that out of him mm-hmm. but as such this is a cold open it's yeah. it's not even a first chapter and as such it didn't blow me away like this is going to be amazing but it made me excited about what's going to come up but if you were to ask like is this a pick of the week was this the most exciting thing i read this week no, no. is this the thing i'm most excited for what's coming yes absolutely there's a lot of um, promise in this book and talk- it's so we should talk about what it is it's you know it's it's yeah. sort of this this near future nearest future mafia sort of book where the world is run by sort of these families who are uh, i mean i i, I well, spoke to to ruck a little bit about it's yeah it's it's the haves it's and the ex- have nots and it's an extension of the idea that that a very few amount of people control the wealth and and here it's so consolidated that it's just a tiny amount and they've basically supplanted governments uh, in being in charge of everything 
Yeah, and the, the sort of the family at the center. This is the Carlisle family, and their their money sort of from agro business. And uh, one of the one of the daughters of this family, who's not a biological daughter of the family, she's sort of a, a popular topic. I like to talk about eugenics. Um, <laughs> oh God, it uh, comes back to that. Forever Carlisle is uh, <laughs> she's been engineered to be basically this nearly unkillable killing machine and um she's a she's a lazarus and that's you know so that the biblical connotation of the person who you know can come back from from the dead and uh she can't she's not immortal but she's it's very hard to kill her and she comes back and we actually see that in motion she loses a lot of blood but she gets back up and takes out the guys who put her down guys who are starving and just trying to get some food There's yeah a lot, of, a lot of gray area in this book yeah yeah, and one of the big conflicts in this book is that she has certain ideas of who she is and where she comes from and what's right and wrong. And very clearly, the family and especially her father is maybe, yeah, it, it, there's some gray area stuff and maybe has, has is, is, is operating more on greed than on uh, goodwill. And they have sort of these, uh, what do they call it? It's like the, the filth or the, the sort of the peons under them yeah, who are uh, sort of waste, living in the waste, the waste right, yeah. the waste. And I mean, that's what they call their, you know, lower class. Well, look, and anytime you consolidate wealth and power and can call everyone else the waste, there's no, uh, there's no humanitarian in there. It's, it's all, you know, there's no, it's clearly the bad guys are these family members who have their boot on the throats of everybody else in the world. Yeah, and we've only seen you know a little bit of this world, and and uh, Ruck is gonna expand outward, you know, more as we go. And it's sort of like it's yeah, it's like a pilot. It's like a pilot for a for a TV show. It's that, not even a pilot though. It's the first yeah. time of the pilot. That's that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I will say I think my favorite thing that I read this week was was Rucka's talk about the the development of this in the back. His back matter is always the best. Yeah, it was, it was really interesting. It starts off with sort of how the idea came about and and putting it together, and then he gets into like he did a lot of research, you know, and he talked about Warren Ellis's part in this, and he talked about Mike, Michael Lark's part in this, and uh, you see development drawings and concepts, and it's not. I don't know that this affects everybody, but I'm always impressed by that it's not taken lightly at all. Yep. Like he's not just throwing a story out there, and and he he's such a thoughtful writer um, that that looking at what's going to be coming up is really great. And I think that Michael Lark is a perfect for this. Like clearly, this was written with him in mind. B, it's also showing me a side of him that I I haven't seen. You know, in the world of sort of superheroes, he still stays pretty much just in the real world. Uh, very much so. So it's kind of cool to see him have to sort of imagine this old other world, and 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 they talk about some of that stuff a little bit. That you know, stuff Greg didn't even think about that he's had to draw. You know, and this just, is ongoing, uh, which is really exciting. It's not yeah, just like, like a mini thing. Yeah. This this is a big. He's got he he said in a in a press call that it's when he's working on other things, he's thinking about this. This is the the book that is really personal to him and and, and means a lot to yeah, him. The good so. news is the first issue sold really well. So yep, we should be That's getting good. this for a while. Uh, Batman Superman number one I really fucking enjoyed it um, yeah and it made me sad because you know the story of the new 52 has been just a one big blown opportunity to really sort of redefine these characters simplify them simplify the stories make them accessible and and I feel like stories like this are what should have been kicking off that reboot and not the sort of convoluted nonsense we've gotten for 90% of the books this just was like a very sort of elegantly told Superman Batman story there wasn't and this is their first meeting this is the first meeting of Clark and and Bruce Wayne right and I just really I just really I dug the, the feel of the book and I also of course love the, the Jaylee art see I'm of two minds on it a little bit I agree with you I think that character wise this has been the best a we're back to boots and t-shirts and jeans t-shirts yeah. t right. I, I loved that and we did not I do get too. enough of it yeah. at all 
I really liked the character work. I really liked how they, you know, just the way they were both portrayed. I'm not entirely convinced that this is the right artwork for this story. However, at the same time, I really love that they did it because all I like the, that it's weird. I do like that. Yeah, I mean, like, just so much of the artwork has been so boring. I'd rather see a not entirely successful experiment than some dude's art who is boring. Right. Yeah, I'm right there with you. It's sort of, it's, you know, it's very dreamlike. Yeah. Um, and he's got the, he's he got has, this, he the, the misty background. Now, yeah, yeah. It's sort of this misty background, and everything is very much in the foreground. I, um, I used to love Jay Lee. He's my favorite, and, and I've, I've cooled on him a lot. But obviously, there's, there's something to it. There's, and there's some, some cool layouts. There was, there's a layout that's it's the, sort of the cover or the, the title page. Yeah. And it's Superman on one side, Batman on the other side. And it you know, puts you in mind of like a J.H. Williams III kind of yeah. layout. Just really intricate. And I was like, oh, wow, I'd, I'd, I'd kind of like to see what the script looks like for that. Or how I much was just thinking that the whole time. Yeah. I like the intro scene where Clark and Bruce meet in a park as Bruce is watching some kids fight. And mm. Clark goes to stop it. And it really did sort of lay out the differences in character. And yeah. that Bruce recognized the one kid who was being picked on, but also could defend himself. And Clark just wanted to save him, and Bruce wanted to sort of foster him as a, you know. So I really it sort of really laid out really well the the character differences. And I'm really now excited because Greg Pak is taking over Action Comics. Uh, so he, maybe, I tell you, Greg Pak is 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 a, a really underrated writer. Yeah, so I don't think he's gotten enough Superman work that I'll be thrilled about. Every yeah, month. he's great. I, and I think that just from sort of knowing him a little bit on the internet, he's he's very interested and concerned with things like social justice and stuff like that and i think that that is exactly the kind of thing that makes superman interesting in today's world and also As for batman and superman that's yeah and the differences and, 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 and this is this is classic like the the original batman superman book where you know with jeff Loeb, where you have the uh narration boxes from both yeah. and uh that uh, that adds so much to this this book two interesting things one in, this, in the story the, it looks like they get transported to earth two which is interesting we talked about this last week with with dave on the show that it used to be that it just felt like Earth 1 and Earth 2 were in the same sort of place, and they, they, they went back and forth all the time, and I liked, the, I liked that sort of feeling coming back in this one. And also, it's just the first issue when we already had a Coordus, which doesn't bode well for the rest of the series, but... Well... Uh, you'd think that Jay Lee would at least get the first issue all out by himself, but... Well, would you? No. Because I wouldn't. Ben Oliver's art, they, they sort of tailored the look to the feel like the rest of the book, which is good. It wasn't super jarring, like the, the art completely changed. So if they can keep that up. I didn't up actually and, notice it while I was reading it, but I noticed flipping through it now. I was yeah. like, this Yeah, I didn't notice either. It's, uh, and, but it's, it's funny because he's like only responsible for like one plane of the art. You know, like it's the foreground and then yeah. the background is just like smoke. But there's some, <laughs> there's some, there, no, but there's some really beautiful images in here. And I can see that it would take a very long time, like the, the Smallville uh, flashback and like uh, Jonathan and, and Clark up in the tree saving the cat right. uh, really beautiful oh no I just if, if he can continue to do three quarters of the book and then another artist who does art in a similar style does the other quarter then I'll be alright with it but yeah. uh, it was just funny they couldn't even get the first issue out anyway I'm on the show with two dog lovers so I'm curious what the dog lovers thought of Hawkeye 11 hmm hmm it was impressive, but I didn't think it was the greatest thing that ever happened. Yeah, I was really excited about this because I am a, I am a dog lover, and I and I and there's there was sort of a curious incident of the dog in the nighttime. Mark Haddon, I believe, is the author of that uh, book. It came out several years ago. Sort of that kind of quality to it, and also it was, it's like a like a mystery story. It's pizza is my business, and I love the introduction of the dog from the very beginning of the series, and then pizza doing dog. a whole thing. Yeah, doing a whole thing from from that perspective was really interesting. I don't know if it was always successful. Yeah, there's a there's a Chris Ware kind of quality to the, I don't know. There's like an infographic kind of thing going on with 
pizza dog, you know, I mean, it's cl the clearest is when he's walking down the hallway of this apartment building and he passes by each door and he associates each door with the person who lives in there. And or then if things. they're friend, right. And, and if they're friendly or, you know, what they, what they do, if they have a bike or, you know, if they give him food or what. And, and then also there, it's sort of like a peanuts quality where he can only kind of understand what they're saying. So in the word balloons, there's some words are squiggled out and then some are, are you know, readable for us. So I thought, um, I think it, the way that I came, I agree with what you're saying. I think that technically and craft wise, it was really well done and executed, mm -hmm. but it wasn't personally compelling. Right. And story-wise, really, I thought hard to follow a lot of it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, like I was like, this is really impressive work. But I kind of don't care, mm -hmm. in the way that you know. You hate dogs. That's it's actually not it. There's, <laughs> it seems like everything should be. I should like everything about this. But when you come down to sort of whatever that intangible element of it was, like I think the like the story. I don't know if it's just trying to develop all that stuff in the course of a single issue and how the language of the book works. Like if it had more time to. I don't think I wanted it to be longer. I don't know. No. I don't know. Okay. I just, I just think as an experiment, it was wildly successful in that I thought it was interestingly done. But as a story, I didn't find it super compelling. So in that sense, I agree with Josh. Why did Kate not stop anywhere from New York to Illinois, but then stop three times in Illinois? I don't know. It's the map in the end. Sorry. You can, you can do that yeah. drive. When I drove across country, I, I went yeah. from New York to Chicago. Without stopping? Yeah. Once? What kind of mileage were you getting back then? That's a long way. We were in uh, Steve Rosignol's car going to Scott Tanner's house. Yeah, that's awkward. <laughs> we're, Connor and I are going to start talking about stuff now that no one could possibly understand. This is college, and yeah. by, uh, we weren't talking by Vegas. By Vegas, <laughs> the relationships had broken down. <laughs> you made me snort. <laughs> Captain America number eight. Wow! 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 Um, wow! If not for Fury Max, probably this has been my pick of the week. Not that I had the choice anyway, but... You know, before a couple issues ago, I was sort of getting kind of anxious about the story to end. They get to, it up, though. Get to the next one, but now I'm I'm fully invested in what's going on. And Jesus, the ending! I mean, I wow, I did not see that coming. What? Not even a little bit. Yeah. Things are going to be awkward when Steve and Sharon <laughs> are like walking through a park and see kids, you know, playing frisbee and stuff. Look, yeah. if you if you are Sharon Carter and you come upon your boyfriend getting beaten to a bloody pulp by a little by kid, a child getting stabbed in the back with a shield that's got razor edges, and if and if you see her pointing a gun at Steve's head, you will shoot that kid in the neck just like Sharon Carter did in this issue, despite the fact that you just basically killed Cap's surrogate son. Uh, awkward, but awesome. I don't know. So okay, I, I thought that was that was emotionally affecting. The beat before that, where the kid sort of breaks from the spell, mm -hmm. I don't know if I totally bought that. I agree yeah. with you because it's it's, it's sort of it's that fairy tale thing. Like Steve like cries and then the teardrop falls and then you know the spell is broken and now the kid is okay. And I don't know. You don't believe in magic. That's no, the I, no, I, I, I don't. It was technology that made him reverse before, so there should have been some other reason other than just appealing to his. Good and the will. thing is, he wasn't just like a zombie and just yeah. like doing whatever Zola said. He he was saying some really. It was like the scene with Cap and, and Red Skull in uh, Uncanny Avengers, where they're saying some really heated things and is really getting under. He knows what to say to really bother Steve and make him maybe question himself just a little bit. No, I, uh, I agree with you. I mean, I like. I think that's just a matter of practicality. Like we're yeah. running space, we got to get to it. I know. I felt what you felt though too. But at the same time, very much so. Like I don't. If you're, 
If you like Marvel Comics and you didn't read this or you think that this is weird, I don't know what to tell you. It's because very, to it's, me, we've been saying it's Kirby esque the whole time, but it really is. It's, right? it's just it, like, and it it feels like 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 it's like old fashioned like seventies sort of Marvel comics. They're really getting into stuff here, but in a at a huge scope in this like crazy world. I mean, I guess if you're interested in the overall tapestry of what's going on with Marvel as a whole, then this is probably not your thing. But when I think of what Marvel comics are, when the things that really excite me about it, like this, this is this is hitting that itch. Well, it's stuff, it's stuff like this and like Thor, God of Thunder and, and you know, and uh, Indestructible Hulk where they go off and do their own kind of thing. And yeah. it is harkening back to another era. And, and if they're you doing that, that with art. Stuff. And- yeah. You know, I think you've got you've got Uncanny Avengers and all new X Men and, and all that other stuff you want to read at the same time. Like like it all exists at the same place, but this definitely scratches an itch that is really, really cool. Josh, now you maybe it's just the beard, but I thought in this issue that oh, he's giving him the full Heath Houston treatment. Yeah. Oh no, I I, I, I definitely picked up Heath Houston vibe. Like it's, he's giving this is the this is Fury Agent Rick Remender getting unleashed on Captain America. Yeah, and yeah. and I was actually noticing from out of there, there's like a there's a hint of Dark Knight Returns, you know, and he's just sort of talking about how bad like can't breathe, wounded, you know, like that. Yeah, yeah. That's sort of Frank Miller stuff. But yeah, that's what Rick does, you know, and and the fact that he was able to do that in the context of a Captain America story, I, I find impressive. He also looks like he's hitting the sauce too, because all the all the red in his cheeks and his nose and yeah. stuff. And don't worry, his, don't worry. His dad was a drunk. That's right. <laughs> it fits in with Amelia. Um, speaking of dads, Jupiter Legacy two. I didn't super love the first issue, though I enjoyed it, and I was also enjoying this issue. But I thought that the I don't want to say twist, but the beat that happened at the end with at the, the very end, with, okay, with the brother sort of becoming not evil but sort of, sort of evil was really compelling. I kind of liked that a lot. Yeah, I, I I liked this a lot more than I liked the first issue because I I felt like I got a handle on it. Yeah, and yeah, I know what this is now. That, yeah. you know, like at the end, the, the, I was like, okay, I kind of see there's there's a couple different you know uh, tricks you know we're playing here, and and but now I know what this is, and and it's a it's a superhero soap opera. Yeah. Yes. Um, and we've I, seen and, some of that before, but not like with this with you know uh, space cocaine and. It's also very uh, on on Miller. You know, it's yeah. it doesn't read is like it? Nemesis. It doesn't read like. His last couple of sort of shock value books. He does. He does have a lot of range. Okay. I don't. I don't. I don't believe that he can only do one kind of book. I no, think that he not. does. He does one kind of book because it's. it's he knows. He knows it's going to be successful. But you know, dude's definitely got range. He's done all. He's done all sorts of things here and there that I really he did in like. Nineteen eighty-five, right? That was him, right? Yeah. 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 And that's yeah. totally different. You know. He does so. have a lot of range, and this is this is the more the side I find more interesting. I like yeah, the I, idea of a sort of a Supergirl kind of character who's also like kind of a, maybe like a, a Lindsay Lohan, Paris Hilton kind of socialite kind of uh, celebrity having uh, an unplanned pregnancy with a super villain kind of character. That scene in the bed, yeah. the dialogue on the, on the second page of that was excellent. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really well done. Because uh, that could be dumb. Like that could be really Oh, dumb. yeah. But this was yeah. it worked, and it was like, I th- and I, I thought this was like this is really quality, uh, Frank Whiteley too. Yeah, I, I like that. I also like the scale of the superheroes, and like that the, the page yes. where the one superhero, and I don't know all the names yet, comes to visit her in the hospital, and she gets out of the hospital bed, and the nurse is you know an, an overweight woman, and then she's like really like tiny, and then he's huge. Yeah. yeah, and it's just the great scale of what you know a superhero would look like next to a civilian. I love how he throws a hissy fit like a celebrity. <laughs> well, they are. Yeah. I mean, that's really the interesting thing about it is that they. Also, did you know there was like three different shark scenes in this books this week? 
Yes. <laughs> it was like this, Avengers Arena, and there was another book with a shark attack. Just like, I, the, I, I, the wake. I, the wake, yeah. Yeah. I love the visuals of the of the drunken boat scene where he's yeah, just yeah. holding the boat. It was just wonderful. It was it really, I'm really... I'm really digging this. I think it was, yeah. it was like, what if your dad was using Superman and embarrassing you in front of your friends who are also superheroes and this like is this, very... This could be a pick of the week on a different week. Yeah. So that was it was good. Oh, this has been surprising. This is good. Justice League number twenty one is the end of the Shazam story. I almost said Captain Marvel. So they get the full issue treatment here, and I really love this whole story. I'm really looking forward to it being collected and, and getting it all in one piece. I think it's been a great introduction to a, a slightly different but mostly familiar kind of Marvel family. I loved when all the kids got turned into the various Marvel family characters and, and they all had different powers and I assume I'm the only one who read this, right? I'm waiting for the collection on this because yeah. I missed the boat on the beginning of it. So it's just wonderful. So I won't spoil it too badly. But you know, great Gary Frank art, and I'm looking forward to them integrating Shazam into the the whole universe, which I think the, the plan is going forward. But uh, this is a really this is a really boring question. But you know, the way this was serialized as like a co-feature mm-hmm. over an extended period of time, and then have this does this how does the structure feel? Like, do you think it'll it'll read well as like one? Well, that's kind of why I'm interested or? to see it as a collection because I'm interested yeah. to see reading it all into one chunk. I did I did like that. I think we. Got two issues where we got the full Shazam. I think it was issue zero was also a full Shazam issue. That sounds right. So it does feel like, you know, for the major beats, we've gotten like a full 20 page bit of it. So like this, this was the giant battle between the Marvel family and, and Black Adam. And uh, so we got the full on story. And I, I really loved this whole thing going through. I know it's weird that it's happening in Justice League and it's weird that it took over the whole book. And I understand that. But just from a story perspective, I really enjoyed it. If you like if you like Captain Marvel when the trade comes out, you want to give it a look. Where should they get that? Eventually, it'll be available at Amazon.com, and you can go there via ifanboy.com/amazon. You can uh, make all your purchases. It gives us a little piece of the pie. It doesn't take anything out of your pocket. It takes it out of Amazon's pocket and helps us keep the lights on, pay some bills, and and move forward with ifanboy. So uh, that really is the best way to help us out. You can do that for all. You can make it your bookmark, which is really the best thing if you happen to use Amazon quite a bit. You can do that. And my most recent Amazon purchase was that new TV book that's coming out. It's, it, it shipped yesterday. Similar, Josh, to the book I bought you for Christmas, but a different writer. Cool. Um, it's called uh, Bad Guys or something like that. Sounds good. So check that out at fanboy.com slash Amazon. Now we have the long-heralded return of the bell. You may have heard me accidentally bump into it earlier in the show. Blew uh, it! Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. We uh, had so many books this week. So many books that we wanted to talk about that we could not talk about them all on our one-hour show. So we decided we would bring the bell back. And if you are a first-time bell listener or, like Paul, a first-time bell participant, here's how it works. So scared. Yeah, it's... Each person gets... Uh, we decided 10 or 15 seconds. What do you want to do? Let's do 10. 10 seconds on the clock. You get 10 seconds to talk about the book. And then you hear this. And you got to move on to the next person. And we have a whole list here ready to go. Although I see the first three books feature me I screwed twice. up. Yeah, that's fine. But... We'll just roll with it. So that's how it works. Ten seconds on the clock to talk about the book. Paul, you, are you are you scared? How are you feeling right now? I'm terrified. <laughs> it's scary enough doing the show and having to go through all the books in the time we have. That's how it works. Ten seconds on the clock for the bell, and I'm going to start it off with Nova, and let me get my clock ready also. This is going to be fun. I'm all right, the I've bell tolls for thee. Now stopped the show clock, so anything can happen as I do the, this bell clock. Uh, I haven't had to deal with opening a digital file in the time allotted. <laughs> <laughs> that's new. So in three, two, one, go. Nova number five ended the Jeff Loeb, uh, Ed McGinnis storyline, and I just really loved the heck out of this. It was great sort of classic cl- cosmic Marvel story about a young superhero finding himself, and 
Uh, All new X-Men number 13. This one offers a great rebuttal to the Havoc speech from Uncanny Avengers. Kitty talks about her Jewish pride. Uh, More temporal-based culture shock from Iceman. Daredevil 27 was the sort of culmination of Mark Wade's whole story, and it was wonderful. It was a great sort of great fight between uh, – uh, crap. <laughs> Avengers Arena number 11. This is more great character work, and every time I don't think it can get any more, uh, more better uh, and, and, like, let me know and care about these characters more, like, he just keeps upping it. Also, this is – uh, Star Wars Legacy number four. Uh, there's Jedi thrills, Jedi versus Jedi action, uh, and the IG-88 style droid got chopped in half. Gabe draws wonderful spaceships. Well, BPRD Vampire number four. Uh, I'm almost starting to lose the thread a little bit, but uh, this was this. Uh, I don't remember. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Jonah Hex twenty. Off. Oh, I just. Why did I do that for one second? Jonah Hex 21. Uh, jo- Booster Gold in the past was funny. Jonah Hex in the present was not quite as entertaining as I was hoping for. Um, but that's, that's the way it goes. Uh, still really good. The Wake number two. Uh, I'm completely enamored of this sort of Miami Vice color scheme. There's some great nudity in this issue. Um, a weird ball <laughs> thing explodes at the end. I have no idea what the hell that is. Paleo- Paleolithic mer- mer- people attacking Deadpool sharks. Deadpool number 12. Uh, was was still funny and it sort of ended that that first storyline, which is about time for that. Um, Hawthorne is really a good artist too. Uh, sex number four. I like the fact that this is a drama. That's basically what Sonia Harris, who helps with the book, said on Twitter. It's basically a drama romance story hidden as a superhero story, and I love it. Uh, Young Avengers number six, uh, guest art by Kate Brown. It starts off, this is about prodigy and speed, and they have a terrible cubicle job, and it starts off with this great grid system, and I thought it was going to continue through the whole book, but it doesn't. Bounce number two. I can't say I'm in love with this book, but I do love that it is so completely different a comic book than Sex, which is also out from Joe Casey this exact same week. You wouldn't. Uh, Wolverine number five, different artists, Pierre Federici is no Alan Davis, but I did, I did quite enjoy the story, um, of this, basically going to the drowning scenario or what happens when you try to drown Wolverine, which I think he would die. Uh, Adventures of Superman number two, uh, three more really good Superman stories, especially like the middle one by Josh Fialkov and Joel Jones. Yes. And, uh, it, hey, whoa. Sorry, I'll give you an extra second. Okay. And, uh, it's good. <laughs> Sorry. Unwritten number 50. We've got fables all over the damn place. It's basically foibles? a fables book with this dude in it. That's right. I didn't need the whole time. <laughs> That's all you get. That's what you get. So that was the bell. That was the bell segment. Paul, I apologize, but I was really. That was a really good uh, Superman story. I did really yeah. like that Fialco story. The other two weren't very good, but the the, the middle one was, was pretty fun. Uh, so those, that was the yeah, books yeah. we wanted to talk about this week. There's so many books we could have added. Many more. I had I had eight. Eight other books that we didn't even did mention guys, in this. Did you guys talk about about Fialkov's Ultimates last week? No, we don't. I don't think it's so that. good. Mm. Go get that if you liked what the Ultimates used to be. Well, Galactus is going to destroy it all. So whatever doesn't matter. <laughs> so those are the books. Go to fanboy.com slash comics. So many of them came out this week. You can rate and review, make your own pull lists, make your own pick of the week. And you can do all the stuff at ifanboy.com slash comics. We like to run down the top five picks of the week that chosen by the users once they go and they make that pull list and they choose their favorite book of the week. And the top five picks of the week are thus. And I think you, you won't be surprised by any of these names on the top five list. Number five, Lazarus number one with 6.7% of the votes. Number four, Batman Superman number one with 9.8%. Number three, Justice League 21 with 13.1%. Number two, Fury Max 13 with 21.4% of the vote. The ifanboy pick of the week. And number one... 
chosen by the users was Hawkeye 11 with 28.6% of the vote. And these are all the time of recording. I would have thought higher for Lazarus, maybe lower for Justice League. I don't know. Let's take a look at some of the user reviews. Director 421 said of Exo Man of War number 14. Story 4 out of 5. Art 5 out of 5. Pick of the week percentage 0.8% at the time of recording. Exo Man of War is another solid and exciting title in the Valiant universe. Planet Death revealed true character in Arik and completed his journey to wield and bond with Shinhara and use it to return freedom to an alien race who wanted to destroy him and his people. Exo Man of War is one of many Valiant titles that should be a must read for fans of great characters and exciting storytelling. I like that a story called Planet Death is really good for character work. Was it? That's Yeah, That's I, I think so. I, I, I agree with this, that it's not bringing to a conclusion the entire story, but it, it really answers a lot of the you know challenge of the, the first few issues and this alien race attacking him back. He's a Visigoth. Valiant is my white whale. I have probably a six-inch stack of Valiant comics. All, basically all the new ones sitting on my bedside table and I just cannot find the time to read them. I want to. I'm hearing, it's hearing, a lot. I'm hearing great things about them and I want to read them, but... Exo Man Wars is, it, I mean, if you like, you know, he's on Green Lantern. I mean, is that it's, the one I should, if I had to pick one a Valiant book, is that the one I should read? Or is it Harbinger? I'm excited for Quantum and Woody, actually. Quantum some of the ones that are out already. Some of the ones that are out already? On my giant stack of books. Archer and Armstrong is the most interesting, okay. I think. All right. Yeah, fair enough. Agree. Scarlet Batman, which I think was a real character in the 60s, wrote about Larflees number one. Gave the story a 5 out of 5 and the art a 5 out of 5. The four? pick of the week percentage four to five. was 4 out of 5, sorry. Either way. The pick of the week percentage, uh, 0.5%. You may think that this is going to be a facile, boring walk down a path already tread by countless other representations of Agent Orange, but you'd be wrong. Wrong, I say. Larflees' half-factual character biography is presented in this hilarious comic, complete with a moment of his birth. The newborn Larflees drops out of his uncaring mother and is dragged apart across a field due to an uncut umbilical cord. Af- yuck. Oh, After a while, yeah. his mother and father complain about not being able to sell the baby into slavery because they've already reached the legal limit of six. Never before have I seen this in a comic, and I'm sure to nary see it again. What really seals the deal is Larflees' butler, whose deadpan style of humor only serves to exemplify his master's overbearing megalomania. This is a definite must-buy for those who love Larflees or those who enjoy comedic comic books. This is Giffen and Demetrius. And, uh, and, yeah. I don't like Larflees as much as they really want me to. Yeah. He shows up a lot, and almost every time he does, I go, ugh. There's a, but there's a lot of people on this. I saw on the site, like, there was a bunch of people talking about it in the, uh, the thread beneath this, this comic. Like, the re- people really pleasantly surprised by this. Well, so. they're, cool. I mean, these, you know, these are veterans. He's quite effusive in his praise. Yeah. I just thought the character is just, I don't care. That that's, that's left you cold, by the way. It's just sort of like a one-note kind of joke. Yeah. and it's Not as one-note as the angry <laughs> cat. That's the one that really angers me. Go to iFanboy.com slash comics. You can make your pull list. You can rate and review your books and write a user review. You can get it on the show if it's good. Let's answer some audience questions. The first email is from Peter, who says, I think we all know when a character is great in comics. We also know when a character is weak. But are there any characters out there that, in your opinion, are overrated? Anyone who, in most people's opinion, is awesome, but for whatever reason, missed the mark on your list of favorite heroes, villains, supporting characters in comics. I don't like the term overrated. Yeah, I don't like it either. (laughs) Yeah, I but just, you could, okay, let's let's take that word out of it. And, pe- and characters that are popular that I don't uh, respond to? Sure. Larflees. Larflees. <laughs> Lobo. Bizarro. Deadpool. Except for that president's arc, but mostly it was because of the presidents. 
I got one. Okay, I will say that, you know, very popular character that a lot of people really enjoy that you have to do something really different for me to get into that character, Captain America. Interesting. Really? So, like, this, this arc is You're really interesting. Communist. Yes, I am. Wow. But you've been enjoying the current story. We've sort of, I thought, I feel like in the past few weeks we've talked about this a little bit, that Captain America's interaction with, like, Wolverine and all those crossovers... Mm-hmm. Is like he's yeah he's he's it's wearing a little thin because he has to be that guy. And he's, the, he's the he's the Cyclops stand-in. But the weird thing is he's never you been like that Cyclops. guy up until this this year. But that's see, like that. But that's my like impression of who he is. Right. And maybe I just haven't read the right stories. For what do you him. think about the the Captain America as he exists in the movies? Because I feel like that's a little like he's not the leader in those. He's a different guy, and I mean, he's like the battle leader, but he's not the. When like, I'm the, when I'm watching the Captain America movie, I'm rooting for him, and I like the guy, but like I don't find him as compelling as, you know, Thor or Iron Man or, you know, the Hulk, the other characters. So. Did you read any of Ed Brubaker's run, especially the the early parts? I've read a bit of it, yeah, and you know, I like the middle management Red Skull stuff, and um, mm-hmm. I, I root for the Red Skull in those stories. Wow. Wow, he's, he does like eugenics. He does. Yeah, I can't. I can't. Well, to be fair, Captain America is sort of a prime example of eugenics. <laughs> I'm just saying. So. You know, I'm just saying. I don't. I'm not saying he's a bad character, and I'm not saying he's overrated. You I'm just, just saying for for me, that's the yeah. It's just not. You don't like Cyclops. You don't like Cy- Captain America. But it's it's weird though because I think people would compare you know that kind of like the things that. But you like the, Superman. But I like Superman. Yes. That's right. So like I I'm okay with the. What the is blue, it about Superman? Because Superman and Captain America are sort of very similar in their. <sighs> Very universe is what they represent. Superman is a citizen of the world. I don't know. I don't, maybe it's like this. Maybe I don't, I don't know. It's, it's this 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 preconceived notion that that Captain America is kind of like this jingoistic kind of thing, and and I know that's not true. It's just I have a hard time shaking it. Josh, I mean, it's it's a lot of the the sort of extreme sort of characters and the the Deadpool's and the Punisher. Punisher's probably my big one that I've I've never really gotten into. There's been some stories that I like here and there. It's just characters who, whose whose basis is their badassness, and that doesn't really do much for me. Mm-hmm. Never has. In a way, Wolverine sort of typifies that. Like I, I like say Wolverine, Wolverine. Yeah. but he's so he's in everything, and it's really hard for me to get excited about that character anymore because it, whenever somebody uses him, they use him for that moment where he's badass. I like Wolverine in his current state state in the X Men books right now, and Wolverine in the X Men and in all new X Men where he's sort of. He's 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 sort of burdened by responsibility, which is exactly the worst place for him to be. As opposed to that, uh, the the thing they've been going off of since the since the Claremont Burn issues, which is Wolverine alone, he's the guy who goes and and, and takes care of business. Like I believe he's it's, not I believe that. it's business. Yeah. Well, yeah. But they've been running off of that for a long, long time. Like that's what they do with Wolverine. And so now that you make him sort of the older, elder statesman guy. I find that much more interesting, but the sort of, but the badass quotient of him, I don't really. I'm tired. Yeah, of. like I really like lately. I've really enjoyed Wolverine as as the mentor and as as a teacher. That I I like that depiction of Wolverine. Whereas and like it, the, it doesn't what, fit him well. Whereas what's happening with the movie, mm-hmm. um, like that's the badass Wolverine. Yep. So I'm like I'm less enthused. I'm 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 still going to go check out that movie, but I'm a little bit less enthused by that version of Wolverine. Because there's there's different depictions and there's different depictions of Captain America and different depictions of Superman. So, well then, Mike Graham writes and says, "I'm hoping you can help answer a question that's been bugging me for years now. In terms of art, what do people mean when they praise an artist's line work? 
Is it just a fancy way of saying that he draws well, or does it have a deeper meaning than that? If it does mean more than the art, just the art, can you please give us some examples of artists you think have a strong line? I'm going to be guessing at this a little bit out of context. I've never had this conversation per se, and I'm not an artist. But my idea of what that is, is it's an artist who has a, a sure line. A line that isn't affected by a lot of other things to be in the right place and to look the right way. The best example of this in modern comics, I think, has to be Darwin Cook. Mm-hmm. He gets away with using the least amount of lines that all seem to be in exactly the right place and have this, the right width and the right uh, thickness. It just it's, – it's not much there as opposed to there's a lot of guys who are like really, really sketchy and they cover stuff up all over the place with, with different hatchings and etchings. And, detail, yeah. and that's not necessarily bad but I don't find it as impressive. I find it's like a guitar player who plays a ton of notes really fast as opposed to someone who can hit one note, bend it, and make you feel something. So like minimalists with a line. It doesn't necessarily have to be. I think that Ramon Perez has a great line. I mean, his stuff isn't necessarily completely minimalist. It's just in the right place. There's actually, if you follow Perez on Instagram, he's been doing, you know, they have the video now. He's been doing little videos of him inking stuff, and you can watch him put down a line, and you and you you know you watch the ink come out of the brush and leave the mark on the page, and it's it's so impressive just to see how sure-footed he is about that, and and how good it comes out looking. Uh, what about someone goes, like what about someone like Sean Murphy? He gets away with being sketchy in a way that a lot of people don't, but I, I think I like that because he's not going for super realistic when he does it. He's he's more expressionistic, I guess, in it. But I wouldn't say that he has a really strong line because he's not just doing one line. He's doing lots of lines. Mazzucchelli. There's a line guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, like I'm, I'm just looking at, at my shelves and, you know, like a serious polyp. Like that's, yeah. that's a confident line. That's Paolo Rivera. Paolo Rivera, sure. Wonderful I, line. I, I think, well, I think Charles about Charles Schultz, that. great line. Yeah. You know, Calvin and Hobbes, Bill, Bill Waterson, perfect line. But you know, if, know, if you you know, this is this is a perfect place for people to talk about it in the comments or, or you know, talk about talk about it, start a conversation. If you've heard something else, that's how I, I always think of it. I think people probably mean different things when they say it. I'm sure there's not a textbook that's, definition, right? Maybe there is. I didn't go to art school. We can do one more. How about one from Eric who says, as a huge fan of Bendis and Believes run on Daredevil, I was skeptical when Mark Wade took over the title and drastically changed the tone of the book. However, after a much-deserved Eisner win and subsequent artistic brilliance, I became a believer. What current books do you think would benefit from a similar drastic change in tone? Should Deadpool be a drama? Should Tony Stark go on an introspective walk in the desert? What do you think? Hmm. Uh, I, this DC. Is... <laughs> <laughs> Comics. Well, the, I think the problem is that with Daredevil, it had been in this one tone that was so oppressive for so long. So you have to find something that's been going on for so long in a certain way. What's also really impressive about the, the tone change in Daredevil is that it's part of the story. Mm-hmm. And it's been it's part of the story of... from the very first issue is that he's, he is acting where he was acting a little bit more happy-go-lucky and fancy-free. And then Foggy was always worried, are you burying you know, all of your demons? And it's, it's also, is it's that going to a... come? It's not a right. reboot, and it's not out of character. Yeah. Right. It fits with that, and it fits with what came before it. Now, that's not to say that everything that is as drastic change needs to be that. I think that what you saw at the beginning of the 52 was, I think we're expecting more of that, and we didn't get it. Right. 
But is that is that a tone that. change? Uh, I guess it is. Some of it. Maybe 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 another example would be Captain America. Yeah, that is an example. Totally. When Remender and and Ramita took over Captain America, it was a gigantic tone change from everything Brubaker. They went been doing. full on superhero. They they went from spy to superhero. Yeah, and like cosmic crazy superhero too, right. not just um, all over the place. I think. Grant Morrison's action comics in the beginning was was a huge tone change, and then it tone changed within that. <laughs> and then when somebody else came on, it, ch- it changed again. It, I, it's like when a new it's it's a lot of times when a new writer comes along. I th- I think a writer more than than an artist, but I think both can do it. But the writer can sort of change the, what's going on with the story more so. I think when Scott Snyder came on on Batman, you saw a different. You know, the, when the two of them got together, it didn't look or feel anything like the books that had come before it. Because they were being done by Tony Daniel for some reason. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm trying to think. I don't know. Thor, God of Thunder is a tone change. Mm-hmm. Just I mean, we're as all Thor, about, the Mighty Avenger was a Thor change, or was a, was a tone change. We're all talking about books that that had them that we weren't into so much before, or even something we were into. I'm like his question is is what what could use it. I know, and it's, I'm having a hard time thinking of what it is. I, I mean, to me, I'm, I'm not, I stopped reading it, but Superman. I would love to see. We're talking about the Superman Adventures books. I would love to see that in the main title. I would love to buy the Superman title book. Mm-hmm. I want to like that book. Yes. I want it to be something that I can tell. How I just, like doing the show? Wouldn't it be great to just be like, you know, what's really good? Superman. Yeah. That simple. Not go find this mini series or this weird little thing. Just buy Superman because it's really good. I've never been able to say that. Right. Yeah. I think there's a lot of room to do a tonal change with Green Lantern, and there was a opportunity to do it just now yeah. they didn't. and they didn't it's it's it, it's you know they're they're using different you know pieces you know, that was the perfect moment they, it's been it was the 10, perfect 10 moment to do it st- that's basically dc's daredevil that was that was their moment to, to change the book and i'm not even saying there's a certain tone that i want it's just there's a great opportunity to do any number of things because you have all of outer space you know and this big in you know galactic core and so many different Green Lantern characters, too. I mean, you could give Hal a break and then focus on Guy Gardner or something and, and make that the main thrust of, of Green Lantern. I don't know. It's, it's interesting because you can't do it. I was thinking about it, trying to think of stuff that isn't Marvel or DC that you could do a tone change on. And so much of the other stuff, like you don't do it on BBRD because BBRD is what it is. And if it Well, changes, there's, there's like, one I'm excited about that. That's actually I wanted to, to mention that. I'm excited for that little Hellboy book. Mm-hmm. Right. But that the thing with that is it's not replacing what's right. going on now it's just in addition to and i'm excited to see those characters in a different light well right but i, I guess what i'm saying is like this only works with these interminable status quo forever superhero books this conversation because usually they, they change so much anyway right yeah um but you're right i think we lantern paul nailed it that was the one that really could have gone a different way would have been nice it was time yeah you can email us at contact.ifanboy.com or call our voicemail line at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697. Tell us your name and tell us where you're from and uh, give us a good question and we'll get it on the show. Now let us mention the last special edition podcast we did. Paul, what was it? We did a book explode. We were talking about Superman Birthright by Mark Wade and Laniel Francis Yu from 2003-2004. One of the well, – it's not the most recent Superman origin story, you know, retread. There have been a few since then, but uh, it's, it's one that had – major effects on Man of Steel, the movie. And uh, we had a, had a fun conversation, me, Connor, and Mike. Mm-hmm. So interesting talking about check that one out. Mm-hmm. So we kept Man of Steel complaining to a minimum. Nice work. We tried anyway. Any other shows coming up? There's going to be a couple of specialist shows coming up. We can't, we can't say what they are yet. But they're coming. Yeah. 
Uh, meanwhile, go to ifanboy.com to check out Josh's Pick of the Week review, and you can be checking out his Book of the Month review in a couple of weeks. And all the great writing that happens every day, the important news and discussion topics. we got San Diego coming up in a few weeks, so ah. <coughs> I just started coughing at the thought of it. I got pre-sick. All of the uh, news coming out of San Diego, you'll be able to find it at fanboy.com. Go to fanboy.com slash about. To get the, I'm really dying here. Fanboy.com slash about to see the staff page and the social network links to become, be our friend online. And follow all the action at twitter.com slash ifanboy at facebook.com slash ifanboy. Don't say pre-sick. You can email us at contact at ifanboy.com or leave a voicemail at one eight 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 one eight eight. I can't say numbers in a row without. one 888 Fanboys, that's 326-2697 with any questions, comments, concerns, discussion topics, etc. Things you'd like to see on a, a future Booksplode, stuff like that. You could, should you choose, go to iTunes, which I believe is the only podcast aggregator at this point, and write a review for this show or one of the other shows. You know, spread the wealth, write it for a different show that maybe doesn't have as many. But if you do that, also do one for us so that we can continue we'll our megalomania. One one yeah, Sounds reasonable. that's reasonable. It's fine. Around comics might come back, and if they do, we need to be ready. Let's let's be serious. <laughs> Better yet, and a more direct approach would be if uh, you have something about the site or uh, a, a post, or just tell tell people about it. Uh, spread the word. Put a link. You know, s- spread the links around. If, if if there's something that that you like or you think somebody else would like, that kind of thing is the best stuff. We see all the time. People will see responses to people who are asking what podcast they should listen to on Twitter or something like that, and they and they suggest us, and and we really really appreciate that. That makes a big difference to us, and that that helps helps grow the the audience and helps more people uh, participate, which we which we really appreciate. That's all. Did we get through that whole script without a screw up? I don't know. There was a I believe of, there was a screw up in the bell segment. Are you actually patting yourself on the back now for the? I'm uh, just saying I think I did. A, I think I did 100% script this week. Well, congratulations! You it's you, just it's you never happened. To not make a mistake in a script we've been using for eight years. <laughs> and so now we mention it. That's yeah. <laughs> wonderful. Good for you. You know what? Screw you, Paul. <laughs> Screw you, Connor. Screw you both. I'm Paul. I'm I'm apparently screwed. Screw you. And that's Josh. Go screw. Bye. <laughs>